We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect analyst James Anderson. Great to be back with you, James. Thank you for uh, holding down the fort throughout the offseason. I uh, really did that by yourself. Well, with a slew of great guests as well. Thanks for keeping the lights on, man. Great to be back with you. How are you, James? I'm great. It's awesome to be back with you. And uh, big thanks to all the guests who have come on with me so far this offseason. Uh, a lot of a lot of great conversations. Um, and a big thanks to everyone who listened uh, to those episodes. It's great to be back on our normal schedule here. Uh, I am going to be doing one more uh, podcast with a guest tomorrow with Rob Silver, but then it'll just be back to uh, Wednesdays talking prospects with you, and that'll be great. Yeah, man. That's awesome. I know you made a, a stop by the Launch Angle pod recently, too. So uh appreciate you uh, sharing all this knowledge with us. I know this in your uh, piece that accompanies the Top 400 update, which will be, you know, our, our main topic of discussion today. You said this is kind of the most time you've ever put into an update, which, you know, the, the lockout has been unfortunate, but I guess that's one good byproduct of it. A lot of time to dive into these numbers. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like it would be serving anyone necessarily to, to rush out the update, knowing that we were in for um, a, a tough few months here and, um, just, you know, wanted to take my time on it to, to some extent, I didn't want to take forever because I know people, uh, need to get their keepers in and do their first year player drafts and everything like that. But, um, it was, it was a lot of fun just being able to really dig in on a bunch of guys. And, um, you know, I, we have the arrows up on the top 400 showing where guys you know, are headed up, down, whatever. But, uh, I would, I would say on an update like this, where it's such a in-depth process and none of these guys have actually been playing games, you know, recently, I would say don't, don't focus a ton on the arrows necessarily focus more on just where the guys are, uh, because a lot of these guys might have an up arrow or down arrow and they haven't really done anything to increase their stock, but it's just more about, um, me kind of, you know, getting more information on them. Definitely be sure to check out the top 400 and check out James's article as well, rotowire.com slash try to uh, check out the free 10-day trial on us. We are live on YouTube and Twitter and other platforms. If you can join us for these live streams every Wednesday, that'd be great. Otherwise, this pod will be on its normal channels afterwards. But James, anything else you want to say to preface this top 400 update before we dive in? Um. You know, I think that the the one thing that people maybe have noticed is that I uh, I am kind of leaning more towards proximity than I ever have, and that's kind of just a evolution of me, you know, seeing how things have gone in the past and putting myself in the shoes of, you know, someone who's got to make uh, keeper decisions or trade decisions, that type of thing. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the guys who fell are teenagers who I am not extremely confident in. And 
I bumped up a lot of guys who are a year or two away from the majors who I think have a, a solid chance of being uh, very productive. So I think that that's, that's probably the main thing you'll notice on this update, but um, you know, there's a lot of just other uh, movement for other reasons as well. Yeah. I saw a certain Yankees teenager. I was kind of surprised by where he was ranked. I'm sure we'll get to him eventually. But uh, let's just dive in at the very top. I guess there's like a big three, would you say? I mean, I, I know you would say because I read your article. But uh, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, Riley Green, is there much at all separating these guys? Yeah, I think there's a little bit separating Rodriguez from Witt and a little bit separating Witt from Green. But uh, I think you could make a coherent argument for any of these three being the number one guy. Um, I don't really see much of an argument for any of the guys below them. Uh, so that's, that's kind of why this tier came about the way it did. And, uh, Riley green probably isn't a consensus top three guy just yet, but, uh, I strongly believe in his talent and he's going to spend, you know, 80% of the season in the majors. So that, that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was on that launch angle appearance where you said that, you know, some of your sources indicate that some of the advanced numbers that are not publicly available have Riley Green having the slight edge on Bobby Witt and a lot of uh, metrics. Is that was that the prospect you said that about? Yeah, mo- mostly kind of, um, you know, metrics related to hit tool, exit velocity, that type of thing. Um, I would... I would still say Bobby Witt has more raw power potential. Um, you know, if, if one of Witt or Riley Green hit 35 homers in a season, I think I would bet on it being Witt. Uh, if one of them stole 25 bases in a season, I would bet on it being Witt. But I think Riley Green um, – is very good in terms of home runs and steals in his own right. And is probably the better batting average bet long-term and probably the better OBP bet long-term. So um, they're, they belong in the same conversation. There's not a gigantic gap between those two. You said in your article here that like how you kind of uh, differentiate the tiers is that, you know, there may be a case for the guys in the same tier, but the players in the tier lower really don't have a case to be, higher than the players in the tier ahead of them. And so we'll enter that second tier. And do you don't see Adley Rutschman having any case to be in that top tier? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess this is sort of like, I could make a case. Um, I can't really make a case for Rutschman ahead of those top three guys. Um, you know, he's, he's a catcher. He's what, like three years older than all of them, uh, two or three years older than all of them. Uh, he's not going to contribute at all with his legs, uh, probably uh, going to hit for the lowest batting average of the three other than maybe Bobby Witt. And, you know, there's just a, there's a bigger bust rate on, on catchers uh, for, for obvious reasons. So, I mean, I think he's as good as they come for a catching prospect, but he's not, uh, you know, for standard five by five Roto. I, I don't really think he's in that mix. Yeah, that's an important distinction. These are for fantasy purposes, of course, which is something that differentiates your list from a lot of lists out there. Keep in mind that these are prospect rankings for fantasy. Uh, but behind Rutschman, you got Brendan Davis. I know you've been liked for a long time. Spencer Torkelson, Josh Young, you've been hyping up a little bit uh, for 2022 as you know, a guy for draft and hold leagues and in, in leagues with uh, – Benches where you can stash a little bit. Anthony Volpe at number eight. I saw that the uh, A's were asking about Volpe in exchange for Olsen. Yeah, good luck there. Uh, Corbin Carroll, number nine. C.J. Abrams, 10. Uh, Shane Boz, in your article, you mentioned that he's basically the uh, the perfect pitching prospect at this point, just given we've already seen him, the combination of stuff, and the fact that he'll he'll spend most of the year in the, in the big league. So uh, this is kind of as high as you could ever – really at this point in vision ranking a pitching prospect. Is that right? Well, you know, like Alec Manoa last year before he graduated, if I had say I'd done like an update and Manoa was at 40 innings or whatever, 
he would have been in the top 10. But mm. for a player who's made three starts in the majors, uh, this is about as high as I could I could push anyone. And uh, there, there's, there are reasons to be uh, iffy about taking Boz in redraft leagues, especially at the, the top range of where he's going. But uh, I really, you know, all the reasons not to take Boz are related to how many innings you think he's going to throw. Uh, maybe the the slight chance the Rays do the unthinkable and and send him to the minors to start the year. Like th- those are the reasons to be iffy on taking him inside the top 150. From a skill standpoint, I think he's just going to be absolutely excellent. O'Neill Cruz is a tough guy for me to rank right now for redraft. Obviously, he's getting a lot of love in drafts. He's uh, getting taken with a lot of expectations and it does seem like, you know, the, there's still a lot of downside there, but you have to factor in the upside. And it seems like that's kind of what's pushed him up here to 13th on your list. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a, it's a different conversation in redraft versus dynasty with Cruz. Uh, I think Rob Silver made a really good point on the launch angle podcast. I was on with him that, if the steamer projection for Cruz had come out after the bat projection, his ADP might be 50, 60 spots lower because the steamer projection came out first and was very optimistic. Uh, I think, you know, people who are looking for speed and power in that range of the draft, maybe looking for a shortstop middle infielder looked at that projection and, and took the leap Uh, for dynasty. I think he is, he's very exciting. I do think he is pretty high risk, especially in batting average leagues. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's quite possible. He comes up this year. Well, first of all, I I don't think it, I don't think it's a lock that he opens the year in the majors. And I think it's possible that he spends a month in the majors and then gets sent back down to triple a. So like, I think he's an extremely volatile uh, player for, for 2022, albeit one with a, with a very, very high ceiling. And the player on your list between Boz and O'Neill Cruz, Tristan Casas, at number 12 on your top 400. He was one of the few kind of high-end talents I got to see in the fall league. Uh, didn't do much in the couple games I saw, but um, obviously this ranking reflects your pretty high hopes for him. What about for this year, though? Is he a guy you expect to make noise this year? I think he could make some noise. I I don't think it'll be for, for a couple months. So, you know, someone – Someone worth considering in the back half of draft and hold leagues, you know, maybe the, the final 15 rounds, but uh, he might not be there at that point. I just, I think the Red Sox are going to, you know, they, they've got a lot of players that they're going to kind of give opportunities to um, in the short term. And I don't think they want to rush anything with Casas, uh, but I, I expect him to be up uh, sometime this summer and, uh, he's he's more valuable in OBP leagues, I think, than batting average leagues. Uh, not not that he's going to be a guy that kills your batting average, but long term, I think he's got more value in OBP formats. Well, moving into the third tier here, as you break down in your article, again, rotowire.com slash try to check this out for yourself. No credit card required. Brian Rocchio kicks that off, and you know in your article that if you ask most evaluators, they'd, they'd give the nod to Noel V. Marte over Brian Rocchio. But uh, why do you think Rocchio deserves to be ranked a little higher? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is kind of that uh, philosophical shift I mentioned in terms of valuing proximity more than I have in the past. Uh, Rocchio could be up this year. He probably won't be, but it wouldn't be crazy. Uh, he will certainly, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll certainly be up early next year. And Marte has a very high ceiling and it's people, I think people really try to focus on ceiling and look at just raw power and stolen bases. And there, there's your ceiling. Um, you know, I think if you look at the players in the that go in the first couple rounds of fantasy drafts, some of them have big time raw power and speed. 
not all of them were thought of as, as high ceiling prospects. Uh, you know, I, I was a big fan of Bo Bichette as a prospect, but I think, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have said that he was someone that had a chance to be a first round pick in fantasy, uh, at least not until he was almost ready to debut. Uh, I think you would say the exact same thing about Ozzy Albies. So I, I just think that the idea of upside it got it puts certain guys in a box and kicks certain guys out of that discussion. But I think Rocio does have a very high fantasy ceiling because he's good at everything. He's he's a guy who uh, is really good at putting bat to ball. Um, he's growing into to power uh, right before our eyes. Power that I, I don't think many people thought was in there. And he's going to steal bases and he's probably going to hit high in a lineup. Um, so he just checks a lot of boxes for me, and I think he's going to debut. Uh, at least a year before Marte does. And I think Marte's a higher risk prospect at this stage in the game. So um, I think Marte has a higher ceiling in terms of power potential. Marte probably is, you know, has a higher ceiling in terms of OBP, but I think that's where his advantages stop. And Rokio's got, got a lot working for him as well. James, you mentioned that if you go looking for this year's Trevor Rogers, you're probably going to come up empty. Uh, Trevor Rogers did have an exceptional year, and that is not the norm. We should not consider that the norm. But who are the top candidates to maybe kind of fill that role that that Rogers had and have that kind of impact? Yeah, so I I think if we keep it to just prospect eligible guys, to me it's it's two guys: it's Aaron Ashby and Reed Detmers. And I think Ashby has, uh, he's figured it out a bit more against big league hitters than Detmers has, but Detmers has, you know, really, really good stuff. Uh, two plus breaking balls. Uh, when he was drafted, he was just, it was the fastball. It was the curveball. But since he's gotten into pro ball, that slider has really become a money pitch for him. And I think that's really important. Uh, you know, to turn over lineups and, and face righties and lefties. Uh, the fastball was a was a very uh, strong pitch for him in the minors. It wasn't as strong against big league hitters. And I think he's got to work a little bit on um, sequencing and, and locating that pitch. But uh, if you just look at the, the strikeouts that he's put up in college at double A, at triple A, Detmers has an incredibly high strikeout ceiling um, as early as this year. And I think if you look at that Angels depth chart, he should be given a chance to win a, a spot in that rotation out of spring training. So uh, we've seen what Ashby is capable of against big league hitters, and he's got you know, maybe an even better arsenal uh, given the velocity that he's got on his fastball. But uh, I think both those guys have a very high ceiling this year. They come with plenty of risk, obviously, but I think where they're going, they're, they're fine are options to go after. I've actually found myself ending up with Detmers more often than Ashby because he's going over 100 picks later, but I think that you'll see that gap start to close. Yeah, Detmers seems like a great like AL-only target if you can get him. Certainly those drafts and holds as well. I wonder, come spring... Who knows when we'll actually get spring training, but uh, if he goes out there and is looking like he might have a spot, even if it's a six-man rotation spot, he could uh, skyrocket. Now, you say that Nick York of the Red Sox at 17 and Kobe Mayo of the Orioles at 27 can kind of be you know, compared against each other because they're, they've been big risers and they really haven't had any stumbles in pro ball to date. Starting with Nick York, you know, the stats so far, you know, damn near perfect. But do you think there are some bumps in the road this year? And if so, what what uh, prevent presents an issue eventually for Nick York? Uh, I don't I don't really think there will be bumps in the road. Honestly, I think he's I think he's really just going to cruise to the majors. Uh, you, you just rarely see bats like this come around um, from the high school ranks. And I would just throw out the stolen bases. He, he stole 13 bases last year. Uh, he's not that type of a athlete. I mean, he, he might be just a good enough hitter who's on base enough and has good enough instincts where he does help you in stolen bases, but you shouldn't be looking at those and being like, okay, I got a second baseman who's going to help me with my steals. 
Uh, the big thing with him is he's just a really special, special hitter. And uh, another guy kind of like Rokio, where I think there's this uh, idea that he's got a, he's more floor than ceiling, but we've seen plenty of examples of second baseman or third baseman who you are expecting to hit around 300 and hit 30 bombs and score a ton of runs and, and knock in a ton of runs. And those guys tend to go in the second round uh, in their peak years. And I think you could see that from York. So uh, just incredibly impressive what he did last year. The fact that he was, he, he still hasn't turned 20 and he already uh, dominated low A, uh, dominated high A in a, in a small sample. I uh, just, I think he's, he's kind of got it all going for him other than the speed. Marco Luciano of the Giants seems like a guy who's fallen a little bit now, as you mentioned, you're weighing proximity more heavily in this update, but are there other issues that make Luciano kind of a, a tough rank for you? Yeah, it's just that that hit tool is like, I, I think if I had Luciano in Dynasty, um, if someone just told me that I was going to get a 250 hitter in the majors, I would take that in a heartbeat and just let the power play. Because the, po- the power is is monstrous with Luciano, but there's there's major batting average concerns, and you know yes he was he was young for high A last year, uh, he was certainly young when he was in big league spring training last year, uh, he was very young for the Arizona Fall League, but we've just got a lot of different data points <clears throat> where Luciano has struck out too much and. You can be young um, and you can be given a second chance. To me, I think I'm I'm giving him plenty benefit of the doubt by keeping him in the top 30. Uh, I think there's a case to move him even lower than that. So um, this is this is one of those cases where this offseason you would be selling low if you traded Luciano. But I, you know, I've I've talked to people who have him and they want to know like, should I take Kobe Mayo and Everson Pereira and Eric Lauer and a pick for him. And I'm just like, yeah, totally. Uh, sometimes it's okay to sell low on a guy. And especially if you're giving yourself multiple outs like that. Um, I just, I think you're, you're looking at a three category guy with him and he's two years away to boot. So uh, just, you know, it was, a, it was a rough year for him, but he's still very talented. I just think the, the ceiling is significantly lower. Well, we got to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, but we'll be back diving into tier four on James Anderson's updated top 400 prospect list. Stay tuned. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. The Prospect Pod, of course, is part of the uh Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast was just back to five days a week. So glad to be doing this again, James, on Wednesdays. And I'll be out with uh, Todd Zola on Fridays. Definitely join us for the live stream, too, if you can. Now, Tier 4 kicks off with Henry Davis, who was the top pick in last year's draft. He's followed by another catcher, Tyler Soderstrom. Those are catchers, I believe, uh, 3 and 4 on your list with Gabriel Moreno sandwiched in between us. uh, Rutschman yep. and Henry Davis. So, uh, anything you want to add on on Davis? Did we did he do anything to make noise last year? I didn't really I mean, see. He, what hit, he, did. he hit the ball really hard. Uh, he showed that the power is is definitely going to play. Um, Very small pro sample. Yeah, I, I think the question with Davis is just how quickly he moves. You know, like he, the Pirates are obviously multiple years away from contending. Are they willing to bring him up in 2023? Do they pull an Orioles and keep him down for like four months longer than they should just to, to get an extra year of control? I think that's that's the main question with Davis. I I feel pretty good about him being at least a guy who hits for a ton of power and doesn't kill your average, and there's a chance he could be a guy that, that helps your average too relative to the position. A couple of arms bunched together pretty closely in this tier. Max Meyer and Hunter Green. Looking forward to seeing what Green can do. And I know on the launch angle pod, you were talking about how that slider has developed, and maybe even some evaluators see that as uh, the money pitch over that trademark heater, which you know, has great velocity. It was pretty darn straight. Uh, we'll see about Hunter Green. But um, there's a guy I wanted to ask you about. Oh, Pedro Leon in this tier. Man, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but at first pitch, I had I had mentioned Leon during my panel. Didn't really talk him up much. But then a certain uh, scout who shall re- remain nameless on this show, uh, Blue Jays scout, I believe, uh, he was like, Where, where's all this hype coming from with Pedro Leon? I just don't see it. He's like a little bowling ball. Uh, but you, you do like Pedro Leon, even though he's fallen a little bit, still a top 50 prospect for you. Yeah, it's. I think I'm higher on his power potential than almost anyone, uh, in large part just because of the Crawford boxes. Like, yeah. I think his when he's going right, he is going to be able to do that that Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve thing, where he just just lifts him out to to left field uh, on a regular basis, and then the speed the speed's a the, the big thing, right? Like he's He's a plus runner. Um, so very high risk, uh, but also very close to the majors. And his season was such a, it was such a roller coaster last year because uh, he predictably, you know, whenever we see these, these Cuban guys sign uh, who haven't played in like two years as they've waited to sign uh, and then they get assigned to double A, like they, they always struggle out of the gate. And so he, he predictably struggled out of the gate and then he was just rolling, um, for over a month, uh, showing off that power, showing off that speed. And then he got hurt 
and he came back at the end of the year. Um, you know, I don't know if he came back too soon or whether the injury was still bothering him, but uh, just wasn't the same guy um, from when he came back until the end of the Arizona Fall League. Granted, in the Arizona Fall League, you know, he was, I think he got on base at like a 380 clip. So he wasn't a complete disaster out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I am certainly higher on Leon than most people are. But I think for fantasy, uh, there's just, there's a really, high ceiling there um, that might be getting slept on a little bit. If people just look at his season stat line and say, well, there's, there's not much to see here. Um, if you kind of take the context into account, I think there, there is uh, some stuff to like there. And, and he's obviously pretty close to the majors. Now, Tyler Freeman of Cleveland, uh, some issues have prevented him from really, you know, rising much up the this list, but you still like Tyler Freeman. Would you still label him your guy? He, yeah, from a from a skill standpoint, uh, I absolutely love Tyler Freeman. It was just that injury last year couldn't have come at a worse time for him. Um, that was a that was a big year for him to kind of show some improvement as a power hitter. And we'd heard a bunch of reports that he was hitting for power at the alternate site, but um, you know, also heard reports that Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo were really rough at the alternate side and they came out and shoved. So uh, I think what, what he showed at double A before he got hurt is probably more relevant than any rumors about what he did at the alternate site. And, <clears throat> you know, the hit tool is still one of the best in the minors. Uh, but is he even a 15 homer guy? Is he even a 15 steel guy? I don't think the answer to those is, is a resounding no, but I think it's still to be determined. And while he was on the shelf, Brian Rocchio, who's 20 months younger, was in his place at double A breaking out. And so I think he might have gotten passed on the long term long term organizational depth chart by Rocchio. Uh, unless, you know, Med Rosario just you know kind of falls flat this year or something like that. Um, I mean, there's only so many spots in that middle infield. So uh, I, I still love Freeman's hit tool, but the rest of it's very much to be determined. MJ Melendez, part of that kind of big three there in the Royals system. He's ranked 50th. And another catcher rounds out this tier, Francisco Alvarez. And you noted that his rank has been kind of controversial. Um, really good numbers, but the, the body kind of worries you. Is that correct? Yeah, Mets, Mets fans... Um, at least a, a few of them were, were up in arms that he was not in my top 25 that I, I tweeted out a picture of. Um, again, these are, these are fantasy rankings. They're not real life rankings. Uh, but he is, you know, what he's, I want to say he's like 5'10", 225, something like that. And he's uh, 20 years old. Um so he's going to be, he's going to be like a 20 grade runner, uh, 30 grade runner at best. But I mean, eventually he'll be a, he'll be one of the slowest guys in baseball. And I just don't see him hitting for a super high batting average. Uh, I think he could hit 250 and I think the power is absolutely legit, but you know, in, in that park, maybe he's a 25 Homer guy over a full season, which is great for a catcher, but this is where I would rank a catcher who is probably two years away, whose ceiling to me is kind of like 250 with 25 bombs. Like that, that's a, that's a no doubt top 10 catcher, right? But we got to wait for it. It's not a guarantee that that's, that's his output. Um, so I just think for fantasy, you, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Nice. Well, Luis heel kicks off tier number five, and this is where, you know, the margins between players, you know, it gets pretty thin, right? Like this is a large tier, 56, 56 through 130. And then beyond that, it's just kind of uh, what you want to grab and what you're looking for out of a prospect. Is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I think there's there's a ton of talented guys outside of that top 130. Uh, but I would just, I don't think you should be, I mean, you shouldn't be using my rankings as gospel anyways. Like you should, you know, use your, preferences a little bit as you're as you're going through a draft uh, 
But I think once you kind of get outside that top 30, you can really sort of start to pick and choose guys. Like it's, you know, personal preference really should come into play. You don't want to be the whole part of this, you know, for dynasty is you want to have fun, right? (laughs) Um, It's not fun to just be taking prospects. You're not that into just because I say they're good. Um, but I think inside this top 130, I think there is just a, a ton of um, really nice talent. I mean, it, it's it's a really deep class of prospects we got. And Luis Heal, I feel like, is a guy I need to be showing more love to for for redraft leagues. Probably need to add him to the end of the top 300 because I feel like there's going to be opportunity there, and he, he showed quite a bit. How many starts you see him making this year for the Yankees? Uh, I don't think he's going to open the year in the rotation. I think that they are going to address that in a manner where he, he opens here at AAA. So I think you're fine leaving him out of the top. I don't, he wouldn't be in my top 300, for instance. But uh, I, I have ended up with him kind of in the 500 range of draft champions leagues. Uh, he's he's going to be really he's going to be really interesting uh, to follow because. He's mostly two pitches, really, really good pitches, fastball and slider. Uh, the command is also an issue, so he's not a finished product. But the fact that he he held his own when he came up as a starter, um, I think that, that that counts for something at least. And I think you're right. I think eventually he will be thrust into that rotation uh, because Yankees pitchers behind Garrett Cole tend to get hurt. So. Um, I, I think he's a good draft and hold target, but not necessarily just a, a redraft target. Yeah, I guess I kind of had it in my head that he maybe would start the season in the rotation. If it's looking like that, maybe it'll be a stash in season. There you go. There's your first stash in season reference <laughs> of the new year. Uh, is Waldo Peraza right behind him? Then Vidal Brujan, 58, stocks falling a fair amount, but obviously not uh, far too early to give up on a kid like that. A uh, Nolan Gorman, anything you want to add about the uh, Cardinals third base prospect down at 59? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a good prospect, but I I do not expect Gorman to hit the ground running against big league pitching. And he's kind of a three, three and a half category guy anyway. So I, I really don't have much interest in 2022. I think he might be a guy where, Maybe in 2023, he's going at a big discount because he just didn't do what people thought he was going to do this year. But he just, his ceiling is kind of, you know, 265 hitter with 30 bombs, which is great. But if he hits 235, then he's he's not really doing you much. Ellie De La Cruz. Now, James, the first day of the offseason, the Reds said that they need to realign payroll uh, to resources. So, you know, that was honestly, when that happened, I was thought maybe I should just switch affiliations as a fan because if they're not, if they can't even try a little bit then maybe I should, uh, take my money elsewhere, but sounds like they have a, a gem and Ellie De La Cruz. Well, they have a potential gem. Um, Hey, that's all, all <laughs> I need to hear. Yeah, this is, I do want to be very, very clear. Like I'm not, I'm not telling you that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be like a top 10 prospect in baseball. Um, I don't even know if he's going to make it as a big league regular. Like there's, there's a lot that could go wrong with him from a hit tool standpoint. Uh, it's not that hard to, to see that in just looking at his numbers last year, his approach and everything like that. But um, <clears throat> he, you know, people love chasing upside uh, for good reason. And he has the type of ridiculous upside that you can you can take a chance on. Uh, I ranked him 63rd. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, trade your best prospect for Elliot De La Cruz because he could be the next big thing. But um, the type of prospect that we kind of hoped and thought Jason Dominguez could be, like that is what Elliot De La Cruz could be because he has those crazy loud tools. He has the 70 grade speed. Uh, he's got may- maybe 70 grade raw power. Like those guys are really, really hard to find. And it's probably a testament to just how risky he is that I have him down at 63. Cause if I, if I bought into the bat a bit more, there'd be a case to move him much higher. 
Very nice. We had a question in the chat, by the way. I'll put it up on the uh, screen here so those who are watching can see it. But it was a lighter versus Mayer. Who would you draft first? I assume that's for uh, first-year player drafts and Marcelo Mayer. And Mayer by a a good amount, right? For me, yeah. I've heard that lighter has gone as high as one in some first-year player drafts already. Uh, I, you know, I get it. And and sure, there there might be some team context involved where you're just, you're in win-now mode. You need pitching. Like, who's the pitcher that could help me the soonest? The answer to that is Jack Leiter, uh, but a lot could go wrong. I mean, we, Leiter hasn't even made his pro debut. Uh, I think I think people just have this idea of Leiter as just this sure thing. Uh, he's no more of a sure thing than you know Casey Mize was when when he was the number one overall pick. Uh, I mean, there's no short ago. sure thing for pitchers no, at all. No, yeah, especially when he's. It's not like you know, like Aaron Ashby's debuted in the big leagues. He's not a sure thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack Leiter has a very high ceiling or a very high um, chance to, to become like a, a mid-rotation starter long-term if he stays healthy. Uh, but Marcelo Mayer is going to gonna hold his trade value in your dynasty league for, for multiple years. Like he's, he's kind of uh, as close to a, just a really, really safe hitting prospect as you'll find from the prep rank. So to me, you know, if you want pitching, take Mayer and uh, and trade him in like two months into the season for for pitching. Uh, I think that that's that's a better way to go about that. Nice. You have Jack Leiter seventy fifth on the top four hundred update. A couple spots, well, three spots ahead of Joe Ryan, who I kind of like this year. Doesn't seem like you're all about Joe Ryan, but uh, do you think he'll be getting plenty of opportunities this year? Big name down here at 85, Jason Dominguez. Did you get a lot of pushback from Yankees fans or uh, not Not quite yet? Uh, surprisingly, no. no. Um, I I mean, it's the, the thing with Dominguez, I think that you know, some people might look at where I moved him and be like, oh, you're, you're overreacting to him struggling as the youngest hitter at low A. Uh, it's really just the fact that he's a 50 grade runner now and might even be slower than that when he gets to the majors. And that just, that just cuts cuts his upside in half, basically. Like if you're talking about a guy who maybe steals eight to 10 bases, that's just not the player that you thought you were getting uh, two years ago. And so we, we have to adjust. Like if a guy's, if, if a guy's talent changes, I'm not saying that he can't rebound as a hitter and, you know, he could end up being like a 270 hitter who hits 30 bombs, but even that outcome is three plus years away. And so I just, it, we can't just keep thinking of him as the same guy who signed um, from a scouting report standpoint, because the scouting reports change. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, uh, Evaluate these players as they are, not as they were when they first came on the scene. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about Kyle Isbell because he got this, the opportunity at the beginning of last year, kind of flopped. He's kind of a boring prospect, but you see him playing quite a bit, and that's what's kind of boosting his rank. Yeah, and, and I love the way he finished the year. Uh, like you said, he was up, um, struggled, got sent down, but he hit uh, – he hit 286, 362, 550, 524 um, in his final 47 plate appearances in the majors. Uh, had a had a strong line at, at AAA, 22 steals in 105 games. Uh, defense is strong. Like he can he can play center, he can play right. Uh, and obviously they they're gonna have at bats to give away. And I I know that they like Isbell and they want him to be part of their future. So uh I think he's just a really solid late round steals flyer uh, because the playing time coupled with the speed, uh, the way that he finished the season, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me that much if he ended up finishing as like a top 200 player. Sean McKnight in the chat mentioned that he likes Pete Crow Armstrong of the, well now of the Cubs. And at the time when they acquired him from the Mets, he liked that acquisition just given that, you know, they got him for, a couple months of Javi Baez. What are the drawbacks, though, to Pete Crow Armstrong? Pete Crow Armstrong as a prospect. 
prospect. Yeah, I think it's it's really it's really the um, kind of recalibrating for uh, proximity. Like there, there's guys who are higher than him who are just as far away, but uh, he's he, you know I mean we we saw him play for like less than ten games I think before he got hurt. Uh, I'm I'm hi- higher on Crow Armstrong's power potential than I think a lot of people are. Like I, I think he could be a 20 homer guy, uh, big time defender in center field, and so I think that that's going to give him plenty of opportunities, uh, chance to be a, a 20 steal guy as well. So there, there's a lot to like. Like he could be a 20 20 guy who plays every day, uh, but he's just you know he's three plus years away. We've barely seen him face pro pitching, so that's why he's where he is. Travis Swaggerty is a player I feel like we've been talking about for a few years now. Pittsburgh's wide open in terms of playing time for this year. You do have his ETA as 2022, but is he a guy who is not really on the redraft radar for you yet? Uh, he's he's big time on the draft and hold radar. Yeah, uh, I think I've got him in two of my three draft and holds, and I nice. I might have him in a fourth here. Um, Later today, I might might end up taking him in the the one I'm doing right now, the Battle of the Podcasts one that Zach Waxman put on. Um, he's he's you know An- Anthony Alford is basically the guy standing in his way, uh, <laughs> and we've we've seen how that's gone. Uh, numerous other stops for Alford, unfortunately, but he just he can't stay healthy. Uh, Swaggerty is he's kind of a, a classic leadoff hitter type to me and he's going to get a shot because he's a good defender in the outfield uh, I mean you couldn't pick a better team for a triple a outfielder to be on if you want him to get a look this year than the Pirates and he's got the upside to steal 20 plus bases so uh, I think he's just he's a, a no-brainer call in the final 10 rounds of a draft and hold Oh, nice. Yeah, that there should be plenty of at-bats available. And, uh, yeah, I feel like he's been mentioned on this pod like three or four years running, but maybe we will uh, finally see Travis Swaggerty. He is 24, so you'd think that opportunity would come. Uh, he rounds out the top 100. Anybody else in the top 100 that I didn't ask you about that you feel like, you know, you want to shout out? Uh, yeah, just just really quickly. Um you know, I, I got to give uh, my buddy Chris Welsh some props on uh, – he was, you know, he was buying into Kevin Alcantara uh, right away when he saw him out there in Arizona. Uh, Alcantara obviously was the uh, main guy that the Cubs got back uh, for Anthony Rizzo. And I was slow to buy in just because, uh, you know, wasn't his first – uh, run in complex ball. He was, you know, still a teenager, but older than most of the guys, uh, most of the real prospects playing in Arizona. Uh, and he struck out a decent amount, but, uh, the more video I watched of Alcantara, the more I just kind of was like, man, this guy, like Alcantara is another one, kind of like Ellie De La Cruz, where if you just, if you stack the tools, Alcantara versus Jason Dominguez, Alcantara has got the higher fantasy ceiling. Uh, similar power potential, more speed. Uh, now Dominguez was playing at low A while Al- Alcantara was playing in complex ball and Alcantara is older. So, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not saying Alcantara is a, a sure thing. He's, he's far from a sure thing, but, uh, I was late to buy in on that upside. So, so props to Welsh, uh, for being ahead of the game there. And, you know, if Alcantara shows well at, at low A this year, he's a guy who could be climbing quite a bit higher. Well, before we move on, we have to take a quick break and take care of some business. A couple of words from our sponsors. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet. The premier digital casino and sportsbook app, WinBet, is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in eight states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, 
Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today. Receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free Rotowire sub. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Then finally, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. All right, James, as we move on, your top 400 prospect list updated uh, just recently, just on what, February, uh, January 31st? I think you pushed it live uh, Saturday. a day or two early. Thank you again for all the hard work you do here, James. Nick Prado is a guy I expect to see this year. Sounds like in your article, though, you, you don't expect him to hit for a very high average. And, you know, it's it's a guy who, from a fantasy standpoint, it sounds like at first base, you know, what he's going to provide isn't going to be all that special, at least for the uh, this year. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that he is, you know, a, a bust or anything waiting to happen long term, but I think he is going to be a bust this year. And so I think his uh, dynasty stock is really going to take a hit after he debuts. Uh, contact rate below 65% last year, double A AA and triple A. I mean, we saw how guys like Darren Duran did making the jump from triple A to the big leagues. You know, you really had to have, you either had to be just really young for the level at triple A, or you had to have pretty airtight production. Uh, to be expected for that to to translate, and so I just I think Prado is is really going to struggle. I, I think the Royals will give him a look, uh, but I I don't know if it's going to be two months, three months, four months. I think he's got a lot to work on at AAA. So even in like draft and hold leagues, he he's not a viable pick to me. And I moved uh, Vinny Pascantino ahead of him. Uh, I'm not sold on Pascantino, but I think he's more likely to be their first baseman of the future than Prado is. You mentioned you like Travis Swaggerty in those draft and hold leagues. Do you put a similar label on Matthew Liebertor? Do you also see him being a guy in those leagues with deep benches who uh, you can stash and maybe get something out of? Uh, not really. I mean, I think he, he should be drafted in draft and holds. Uh, I just, I think I'll inevitably find someone that I like a bit more, um, you know, like Cole Wynn, Cody Morris, uh, Sammy Long, uh, even like Reverson Martin with the Reds. Uh, Hell yeah. I, I think you love that Cardinals D is pretty darn good though. It is. It's just, uh, you know, I, Libertor's fastball worries me a little bit uh his his slider has turned into a money pitch but um Libertor is good enough where he could prove me wrong I'm just I'm basically saying there's other guys who are going to get drafted in that exact same area who I, I think are better bets Steve Hanks said in the chat that with the Cubs trading Brian Rizzo Baez looking for hope in the pipeline we talked about Brendan Davis Pete Crow Armstrong it sounds like they have kind of a pop-up guy in Caleb Killian who stood out on the tape that you watched. Yeah, do you did you see him at all in the No, NFL? I don't remember seeing him. Um he was in the fall league. Yeah, I mean he when when they first got him from the Giants, I I was kind of underwhelmed by that haul for Bryant, uh, especially relative to what they got for Baez and Rizzo. But um his his stuff is actually pretty loud. Like I, I kind of thought he was more of a command control guy when they traded for him, but I mean, his, I think his fastball is up to like ninety eight, um, and he's got really good command. He's got four pitches, so 
Uh, Killian, I think, is someone that you could you could roll the dice on with one of your last few picks in a draft and hold because um, he, he's the type of pitcher who might not have a ton left to prove in the minors, and obviously there will be uh, spots available in that rotation. Carlos Colmenares is a guy who was pretty big name. Was he the top J2 signing a few years ago? Uh, well, it was uh, Christian Hernandez, Colmenares, and Wilman Diaz were kind of the big three. Yeah, he got $3 million from the Rays. I guess, uh, yeah, still really young. We still haven't seen him. So, yeah, it's uh, he's just kind of treading water at the moment. Um, anybody else in this tier? I know it rounds out at 130, Juan Yepes. Uh, anybody else here you you want to mention? Um, let's see. Looks like Roderick Arias was a new addition. Yeah, he was the top J fifteen guy on this past class. Um, yeah, no, I I I think we're good for that tier. I think there's a couple interesting guys to touch on just outside of that tier. Yeah, just outside is. Uh... Well, Sixto Sanchez, uh, you know, injuries, all sorts of issues going on there. Helio Ramos, Eddie Leonard. Now, he was a guy that you mentioned in your others of note in the article. What is, what about him in particular do you do you want people to know? Well, I, you know, actually, Eddie Leonard is is interesting because uh, I've actually I had multiple questions in the comments section about him because uh, I referenced his poor defense as a reason why, you know, I don't expect him to get a shot as an everyday guy for the Dodgers anytime soon. Uh, and I was basically uh, relying on Kyle Glasser of uh, Baseball America, who uh, nobody does a better job covering the, the Cal League and the Dodgers system than Kyle does for, for BA. And I'm sure he saw Leonard multiple times this past season. And so when he said he was a poor defender, I, you know, I'm willing to buy into that because I don't have time to watch enough video on these guys to sit to, to evaluate their defense. Uh, but then people in the comments were saying that uh, Keith Law and uh, Baseball HQ were actually saying that his defense was uh, a strength. Um, and they were wondering, you know, what, what I was talking about with regards to his defense. And, you know, I, I'll, stand by uh, Kyle's evaluation there, but, you know, I'm open to the fact that, you know, that might not be the case or maybe, maybe he got better after he got the bump up to high A or something like that. So um, Eddie's Leonard is going to be one to, to keep an eye on this year uh, because it's just the Dodgers just have a never ending glut um, in the middle and corner infield spots. And there's guys who are ahead of Leonard who are going to get there. Um, you know, Miguel Vargas is a guy who maybe debuts um, in the middle of the summer. Uh, Michael Bush, we could see this year. And they've already got guys uh, on the big league roster who, who play those same positions. So uh, he, you know, Eddie Leonard is either going to have to get better at defense um, or be better than I think he is right now at defense. Uh, or he's just going to really have to dominate on offense to, to get a long look in the next like year and a half. I think he will get a look eventually. He is on the 40 man. Uh, but I, th I think that's interesting that there were just very conflicting reports out there in the public space about his defense. Nice. Now you do a great job, James, of separating your Brewers fandom from your prospect analysis and your fantasy analysis. But even so, I'm a, I'm a little surprised. Uh, to see Garrett Mitchell down at 155, given that he was a you know first-round pick a couple years ago. Everything I read suggested he was making a good impression last year at Big League Camp. But it sounds like you're advising people to cash out on Garrett Mitchell of the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, everything that we thought could be a problem for him in pro ball was a massive problem for him once he was at an age-appropriate level at double-A. Uh, hit the ball on the ground too much, uh, hit the ball the opposite way too much, uh, just not even coming close to, to tapping into his uh, raw power and striking out way too much. I, I didn't even think the strikeouts were going to be that big of an issue for him, but uh, there's just, there's so much that he needs to fix and he's already 23 that 
I, you know, he could turn it around. I'm sure that he's going to be working his ass off this off season to, to fix those things, but it's a lot to ask a guy to, to change. I mean, he's basically gonna have to overhaul his swing. And uh, I think there's enough name value there that you could still get a top 100 prospect for him. Uh, Jonathan Bolin recovering from Tommy John surgery, but you like what he's got and could be a guy whose value explodes in the second half when he returns. Yeah, I think he, he might be back in, I don't know, July or August uh, optimistically. And if he comes back and his stuff is, is where it was, I mean, he was, he was on route before he uh, blew out his elbow he was en route to being um, like a top 10 pitching prospect for me. And it just, you know, it's a bummer. This is why uh, we shouldn't get too crazy about pitching prospects. Um, but he's still very, very talented and you know, could be the end up being the best arm in that system. If he makes a full recovery. Isaiah green of Cleveland outside the top 200 now, uh, still young, but just hasn't shown enough to warrant a, a spot inside the top 200 yet. Well, he was, you know, well, kind of like Arcantara, like he was, he was old for the, for complex ball. Um, and, you know, I know that he was sort of a, a late bloomer in high school. So it probably would have been too big of a jump for him to go to low a uh, right away. But um you know, he's, he's going to be 20, uh, at low a this year. And so he's kind of got to hit the ground runner. I was editing, uh, Jason Collette's NL central bold predictions article today. Again, bold predictions, but he likes Miguel Yehure, um, as a bold call. You have him two fifty six, which isn't like a ringing endorsement by any means, but do you see him playing a role for Pittsburgh this year? Yeah, I think he's another uh, draft and hold target. Um, doesn't have monster stuff, but has a deep repertoire, definitely a, a starter's repertoire. Uh, the big thing for him is just, just staying healthy. But uh, yeah, definitely, if he stays healthy, he'll make you know, 15, 20 starts. Now, Mackenzie Gore, he was added to the 40-man for Rule 5 protection. And I guess he did finally end up doing a little bit there uh I guess he made quite a few starts this past year. He was kind of just, you know, conspicuous by his absence in 2020, but um, you still have a lot of concerns about Gore at at 22 years old. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at uh, where, you know, the success that he had last year, it was in complex ball against guys like Isaiah green. And even there, uh, you know, Welsh and, and others who saw him live were not very impressed. Uh, the numbers were good, but um, I, you know, I, his values crashed so much that it's probably just not even realistic to say sell, sell low on him while you can. I, I can't imagine what you get from Mackenzie Gore right now. So, you, I mean, in, in a deep league, you just ride it out. In a shallow league, you just cut him. But, uh, you know, he's look at the other pitchers that are around him on this top 400. Like it's not, it's not a uh, optimistic place to be if you're a pitching prospect. And one of the great features we have on the site, the prospect rankings history for all these guys. And Xavier Edwards is a guy who, you know, was in that top 100 for a long time. Uh, now his chart kind of looks like the uh, Bitcoin price. Uh, although he hasn't completely tanked, but you have him now well outside the top 200. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's a util guy, basically. Um, maybe he gets traded. I mean, like with, with Edwards, it's just, you're just hoping for him to get traded to somewhere that'll let him play. Uh, like he's not even like Miles Straw is a guy who's going to really log solid on base percentages for given his lack of power. Um, but I mean, I think Xavier Edwards is more kind of like a Ben Revere type of guy where you're just, you're not going to get a ton of OBP. You're going to get basically no power. You're going to get okay defense at like second base, um, maybe center field. 
and you just need him to find a landing spot where he can get at bats because he's not going to get him in Tampa Bay. Another uh, big name prospect. The last one I'll ask you about today on this show, but again, we're back every Wednesday. Joey Bart, another guy you have even lower than Edwards at 274. Sounds like another big name prospect who should probably uh, be on his way off your roster in dynasty leagues. Well, yeah, I mean, any anyone who listens to me probably is is uh, has already, has made already them done up. that. Like, yeah. I, um, I'm sure most people that are rostering Bart probably don't listen to me. Uh, but like my my whole my whole philosophy with ranking catching prospects is, you know, what's your realistic upside at that position? Because if your realistic upside is like the 16th best fantasy catcher then, you know, who cares? Uh, you can just grab a guy like that uh, off waivers in some leagues in season. So I just, I think Bart is, you know, you hope for like a 230 average and you hope that his defense is good enough that he plays enough to hit 20 homers. Uh, like that's, that's like the best case scenario. Well, great stuff as always, James. Check out James's work, rotowire.com slash try. The best in the business, ladies and gentlemen. Anything I didn't ask you about that you want to get off your chest today, James? Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we think we covered a lot of a lot of good ground. Um, I mean, I think in, in the article I did say uh, it might be too late to trade Sixto Sanchez for a top one hundred prospect, but I actually. I've seen him go uh, fairly high in a dynasty startup uh, that the Prospect Live guys are doing. So um, I I think it might be worth just shopping Sixto Sanchez or maybe just blind offering some guys Sixto Sanchez right now because uh, I think his stock is going to continue to trend down going forward. Well, great to be back with you again. The Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast back up five days a week. The Prospect Podcast is part of that rotation. We'll be on every Wednesday. Looking forward to talking with you again, James, uh, next week. Hope Thanks, man. Great to be back. Yeah, man. Thank you. Hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.